0: You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drleslieinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie.
1: God, I ask, can everybody bow their head, please? Um, God, I ask that we all get something that we need from this um, Zoom call. I pray and ask that um, we reach somewhere where they need to be reached. I know we're all going through something, uh, something that needs to be met. And I pray and ask that we meet it, that we get parts of something to help get us through. In your son Jesus' name, I pray, amen. So it is.
2: Thank you, Eric, for that prayer. We appreciate it. And so um, Eric is a young man. I'm going to, hello, Miss Teresa. Hello, Ms. Rivers. Hello. Uh, a young man that I'm really going to allow him to share his story with us on today, but we are grateful and thankful that He feels uh, delivered enough and comfortable enough to share his story. And we pray that, uh, as his prayer said, that each mother on the call would get something out of it that would help to, uh, you know, be able to figure out why their sons do what they do or just get something out of it so that they can move forward and, and make some better decisions in their road. So we thank you. And Eric, I'm just gonna let you start and you can just come as you are. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, ma'am. What do you want me to um what what, what do you want me to start with?
2: What, uh, well, I can go ahead and, and start with some um background. Just um from what I know. You know, your mom, she had some, and I just know this from the mother's standpoint, but we want to hear about it from the son's standpoint, and none of them know your story. So basically, you're telling your story from the place of where you want to tell it, basically. But we need to hear what you feel like mothers need to know about their sons, and, or, or just about you, just your particular story, you know, if you will. Just wherever you feel like. Your mother said, well, Eric, he will tell the truth, honey. If you wanted wanted the truth, he'll tell you the truth. And so that's what we need today.
1: I'm sorry. Let me open this door for this maintenance man. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. sorry guys um well I guess I mean and then I, I work better with um with questions as well too so if you guys have any questions or anything specific you can ask because I don't know where I'm gonna leave with this conversation but I mean uh I grew up with my mom my mom was a single mom my dad wasn't really around so uh Didn't really have any role models, but didn't realize that I didn't have any role models and just chose after, took pieces after people um, that I thought was cool and started doing all type of stuff when I was young, maybe 13, 14, uh, just doing all type of stuff. And eventually I went to prison when I was 19 years old for a crime that uh, that I didn't commit, but I was there kind of like a guilty by association type thing. Eventually did uh, six years in prison and came home, got my sentence overturned. And now I, after doing the six years, I've opened up my own store. So I did turn some of the negative into positive, but uh, I don't really know what else you guys wanna know. So any questions you guys have about my childhood or anything that you guys would like to
2: talk about too? Well, I guess you gave us the real short version. Mm -hmm. So My question is um, I know that in speaking with your mom, she has said well, Eric has told me that there was nothing that I did wrong to um, make him go down that road. You know, he said, there's nothing that I did. And, you know, I can't help but think that there had to be something, something. So from your standpoint, do you feel like there was something that was lacking, something that you needed in order, uh, you know, that drove you down the road, that took you to prison or just to make bad decisions or did you just make
1: bad decisions? As long as you can remember. Well, did you get? No, ma- mainly, mainly for me, my, my bad decisions came from the need or the want to have things. So I guess being a uh, um, appeal to nice things, cars, clothes, and stuff. That's what kind of, and I know I told my mom that before, but I mean, of course, it's always stuff You get that dope from. It's always stuff that. Uh, I I know now in hindsight that she could have done better, but I didn't really make bad decisions all my life. I really um, started once I started like chasing the fast money and that really just took me down uh, a dark path. Let me... uh...
3: Let me interject a few questions. First of all, thank you for joining us today. And I want to applaud you. Absolutely. I want to applaud you because uh, you're still here, man. You're alive and you're not in now. You're doing big things with your business. So uh, keep, you're above the dirt, as I like to say. So keep doing your thing, Eric. Um, I know it seemed like you're, uh, it's, but I heard quite a bit of information there. I heard how you did not have a role model really in your life. I heard that um, you tended, as you grow, grew older, to put pieces from different people and different men in your life and try to form the man you want to be. Uh, and then I heard that, about 13, 14, you ended up in the prison because you made some bad decisions. or somewhere in there, maybe a little bit later, it had to do with uh, you wanting to have nice things. As you were matriculating into the manhood, you saw uh, things that you wanted, whether it's a nice pair of shoes, a nice coat, car, or what have you, right? So that those are all things that we've talked about in prior sessions as far as the uh, the transformation into manhood. One thing I'd like to ask you to do is break some of that down for us, if you would, and just talk about... Uh, like, for example, the piece where you said you took pieces by others. Can you explain to us how you went about that, who you chose to pattern your lifestyle after as a man who you felt was a good role model for you, whether it's in the street or a relative? or Can you expand on that a little bit more for us?
1: Yeah. So um, growing up, of course, um, I was in church and, you know, summer camps, YMTA, gym, you name it. So every boys program um, that you could name since pre I mean, I've been a knucklehead to like a bad, not really a bad kid, just I was a jokester. So um, they always like tried to put me in programs with mentors. But it just seemed like um, when I was growing up, and that's what I tell a lot of the, um, the younger kids now, and even the, the gentlemen around my age, like it wasn't really in between. Like it wasn't really like a person that was a working class guy that was cool enough that made me want to look up to them. So I, I just chose after street guys and, you know, pieces that I seen from wherever I picked them up from. But um, so, I mean, guys in the street, you know, and then it would be guys at the church who they would try to connect me with. But then those guys were always like corny. And it's like, I think sometimes people don't really, um, Know how to reach the youth the way they need to be reached at that time, and I think that was um, like a major thing for me. We I had people that wanted to help me and that attempted to help me, but maybe uh, their approach was could have been different or something. Yes,
3: That's a really good point because oh, hand. I'll be right there, Miss Brown. That's a really good point because um, a lot of times. Being in the church or doing the right thing isn't considered cool. I mean, sin is fun. Being in the street is fun. So it sounds like you didn't have anybody to with you to to associate being good with having fun, right? It just seemed boring. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. They're not even just more. Yeah. Yeah. I guess boring would be would be the would be the correct word. Yeah.
3: Okay, Okay, Ms. Brown, you had, Ms. Brown,
1: you
3: had... uh, you're on mute, Miss Brown, and I'm sorry, you know, there's a, I'm another echo as well that I'm hearing, so. But Miss Brown, you're on mute. You might want to take some.
4: I did, okay. Thank okay. you. I didn't really have a question, but now that you uh, asked me, um, Eric, there is a number and a letter on your necklace. What does that signify?
0: D6D?
1: Well, yes, ma'am, D6D. It it stands for Death Before Dishonor. It just been, in all honesty with you guys, yeah. It stands for Death Before Dishonor. And it's just a group, just like me and my friends wear this necklace.
4: Okay, so it's a group of boys that are doing,
5: that are involved in that organization. Yes,
1: ma'am. Okay.
3: It's a it's a street code. Oh,
5: it's a okay.
1: Um, yes, in all honesty, yes, I was when I was younger. But you mm. know that's that's a different conversation. I just feel like a lot of stuff has been misled and uh and just took and ran with, it. and it's just a lot of it's a lot of, it's a lot of nonsense and, and stuff now. But, I mean, everything that I did, I was, you know, I was 14, 15 when I joined gang. So it wasn't like I was 28 and joined a gang. Sure. I was a kid,
3: yeah. Sure. And this is a good example to, to the group about how the matriculation and what can happen as a result. Because what Eric has found is a group of young men like him that are now his peers and he has his own brotherhood remember I talked to you all about how we established our own brotherhood and we looked after one another. I wasn't going to let somebody else get jumped on. They weren't going to let me get jumped on. And I talked about how gangs, they have their own laws and prayers and that you have to study. And there's a code that you have to go by. So he's found that. And 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 unfortunately, that can lead to different things. But, but Eric, I can relate. I'm not going to praise it. I'm not going to Talk down about it. We're gonna keep you in thoughts and prayers. But I appreciate your transparency because this is how we learn.
1: Yes, and, and, and grow- I always I always like to be um transparent because I know people um people judge, you know, not saying you guys, but I mean we're human. So we look at someone and say, Wow, they're pretty, wow, you know, their shoes are big. So regardless, we all look at someone and judge someone. But I like to um, just be transparent just because when Cause it's always two sides to stuff. Like, you know, all gang members aren't bad people. Like I'm not riding around with 30 guns, you know, trying to beat people up. So I just like to be transparent and and show people the other side, just so they could, won't be so hard when they do see someone as a game. And people go through stuff. I had, um, growing up, I didn't have any brothers. So I didn't have, my family was in Tennessee. So literally I was the only boy in Atlanta, in my family, and I had two sisters, and we were four years apart, so I always And they, went to they couldn't really myself.
3: relate to the things, I, I bet they couldn't relate to the things that you were going through as a young man matriculate, because when you go out, have to go to school, or in the street, you're dealing with a different set of issues and circumstances than they are, so did you ever feel like when you came home, no one could really relate to the tension you had before you laid down and went to bed, or? Um, uh,
1: yeah, but I uh, I just kind of um, I kind of em- embraced a lot of it. I like going through stuff. I know like nothing is as bad as as it is as it seems, you know, because we all have been through stuff where it's like, I'm not gonna make it through this. But now look at us, you know, like even when people die, I always tell people like nothing matters, you know, just but math and science, just because I mean someone could die, God forbid. you Still gotta wake up the next morning, so not on a mass scale, but you know, more so as a thought process. But um, yeah, it was a lot of stuff that I went through when I came home. I worked for, G- when I first came home, I was in, um, I went to school and I'm finishing up my degree in communications now, but I had a job working for um, Georgia Public Broadcasting doing direct marketing. So I just, it was, it was an eye opener coming home, dealing with a um, hundred white people every day, a hundred white women. And just different people, and I would just see how people, how people look at you, and like I've had women open the door and jump. Um, I've had, you know, just all type of stuff that people would look over. But because I knew what it was coming from, I understood. I understood it and dealt with it a little better, I guess.
3: That's interesting because that gets to some of the things we discussed before about being able to fight with your mind instead of with your hands. And and what you're talking about, I can relate. I've witnessed the same thing even to this day. If I'm walking down the street, you know, somebody may look up. It may be a female of another race than mine. They'll jump or cross the street, or it still happens as we speak. So I, I can relate to that. So if I'm dressed down particularly, like if I'm – Going walking, and I'm having on sweatpants or shades, and my ball cap turned to the back. Absolutely, I'll get that response. So, definitely can relate. So, let me ask you. go oh, go ahead, please, Dr. Lesnar. Uh,
2: Teresa, she had a question.
3: Oh, there's a hand there.
4: Mr. Wayne can go ahead and ask first. I go after him. Mr. Wayne.
3: Oh, no, you, you can go ahead, Miss Teresa. I've got mine written down. I'm good. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hi, Eric. I want to tell you I Hello. applaud you for being here and um, sharing. I know it's not easy as a young man. <laughs> it's not easy as women, so I know it's not easy as a man. Um, I actually have two questions for you. Um, the first one is you said um, easy money, fast money when you was young. What made you have that desire where you're not getting what you felt like you needed from your mom? Um,
1: as a kid, yes. But okay. now that I'm an adult and I buy clothes and I buy shoes now, and I understand the value of money now. Like my mom had three kids, so she was single for most of our life. So, you know, she got Every time she bought one pair of shoes, she bought three pairs of shoes. So I wasn't able to get eight pairs of shoes a year. So my life was a little different. Not that I was, you know, ever, you know, I was never like a a bummy guy in school. I always like I won like best dress in high school and stuff. So it wasn't um, like she was buying like family dollar flea market clothes. It was just I just wanted I want I wanted more. I'm a dreamer too.
4: So it was basically your personality it had nothing to do with your mom. You just wanted what you wanted.
1: Um, yes, ma'am. For for when it comes to that aspect, yes, ma'am.
4: Okay. Thanks for your honesty. And you said you went to prison, right? Okay. And then you got out and you turned it into a negative. Um, I worked in a prison. Um, with inmates for a while and so I got to meet a lot of um, guys from all all of the world and mainly my population I dealt with were gang members (laughs) well they all then they were in gangs old and young and it's like a revolving door once they come in they go out they come right back what was the desire in you that when you left you said to yourself that won't be me coming back because now you have your own business what made you desire to do what you're doing now <clears throat> so you wouldn't end up back in that same spot again
1: uh, so so I'm um, I, I, I kind of done studied like the laws on drugs and the the, 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 dro- the the drugs on, I mean, the war on drugs and all this stuff. So when I was in prison, I kind of, I used prison as a learning opportunity. Yes. I I don't know what other guys do, but I did use it as a learning opportunity, but I paid attention and I I always say, um, nothing is real, but math and science, if it can be proven, like, you know, if it's 75 degrees, that's the only thing that's true. It's not hot or cold. I'm saying that to say, When I was in prison, I paid attention to the statistics of everything that was going on. And out of all the guys that was in prison, we all had met each other before, whether it be one time when we went to juvenile, whether we went to got kicked out of school and went to the alternative school. And I realized that it was a statistic and I knew to change, I would have to change my life. But then I had family. A lot of reason um, the guys come back go back to prison is um I think that mental health is a, is a real thing in our community. Yes, it is. We overlook it and just say, you know, my nephew's crazy or that's my crazy uncle. Yes. Instead of actually realizing, no, they're schizophrenic and you can't tell a person mm-hmm. with a cold to stop coughing. Yes. And um I could read, you know, I kind of, uh, I had family support. Like I didn't have to come home. A lot of those guys come home and can't read a lot of those guys come home and go live with a grandma who's 60 and there's five other people in the house mm-hmm. so my situation really was different I really think um uh, it sometimes it don't it always it's not always the guy's fault but I think they should do a better as a whole with uh, sending to Re- releasing um people from from prison maybe help helping a lot more because i mean it's a lot of money in it but they're not really helping people people come home and can't read people come home and it sounds it sounds simple but everybody don't have seven dollars to catch an uber no. to to a job interview and then buy lunch and then catch an uber back home as small as it may seem so it just leads to people doing destructive stuff but i just I had a support system and I just chose not to do it. I actually chose not to do it.
4: You said the key right there, it's it's a support system and it's rehabilitation. If they would do that with them as they're getting out and would show them where to go and have the plan set out for them when they get out, it does make a difference. It it makes a big difference. And that support system does make a big difference because I can tell the ones that came back and the ones that wasn't coming back. And it was usually all the ways the ones that had that support system. And the ones that I knew that had a support system, I already knew that they were gonna come back.
1: Yeah, that's why I always bring it back to like war on drugs and like the prison, the pipeline. It's just like, a, in statistics, it's just like it was all, it was all a setup from the beginning. I'm really against the prison system and all of that stuff. But it's like, something I mean, it in your mind, but you had
4: something in your mindset. There was something in your mind that made you want to change, though. You had to change your thinking process. There was something in you that made you change, though, because that has to start first. So something in you wanted to change, and you did. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Oh, thank
1: you.
2: Oh, Eric, for Thank you, uh, Ms. Teresa. Uh, before you mentioned something about the, um, what do you, got? you mentioned something uh, earlier about mentors not really knowing um, how to relate to you and your peers. What, what are some of the mistakes that you feel like they made? Or what do you think mentors can do better to kind of keep the attention of active or overactive youth? Um,
1: I think we should be able to make, and I think this generation is, is you know, these young men that's grown up now, we're going to help, you know, change it. But I think, um, given the kids, um, I mean, we, growing up, I mean, we didn't have, none of the mentors I had, you know, not that I think that this stuff was cool, but, like, had, like, they didn't dress like me. They, you know, maybe wore collar shirts or, you know, slacks. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think sometimes we have to, uh, know who we dealing with and know who we are appealing to, uh, and I think kind of like the generation there's always like a generation break where it's like the older generation don't like the younger generation music or just small stuff, just little minute stuff like you know being able to listen to the younger generation music being able to understand. I don't really think that the guys really did that in my uh you know when they when they were trying to be my mentors and stuff they just like. Wherever they were, on. they were on what they was on, like the old school vibe, So
2: you feel like if they were, if they wore slacks and and they were a little too professional, they couldn't necessarily relate to you and your plight. But if they wore a, if they wore maybe a jogging suit or kind of, you know.
1: Yeah, or if they, I mean, or not even if they just wore that, because I mean, they would have to, it would have to be something that that's that's natural. But I think just more so their approach to their approach to everything was just uptight and it was just like you know go to school go to
3: yeah
1: you know, go to school yeah, when go hit go it, get it, a trade go get a hair
3: yeah, you know, it's it a very narrow focus they're, they're telling you you should go this way instead of exploring all the other options that are open to you. And they're they're trying yeah. to tell you that if you don't do that, that's wrong. They're defining to you right from wrong. If you don't do it my way, you're doing it the wrong way, and that's not necessarily true. And that can be a yeah, cause, t- I mean, is growing
1: that- up, I like I like I like rap music. Growing up, I used to go to um, Woodruff Art Center to the Fruity Loop beat making class, but it was like I never had a mentor or even anyone older than me that was like, yeah, you could you could make music, or yeah, you could. You could actually do this. You know, everybody was like, no, you need to do this or whatever. I think people want to live vicariously through. Through a person like they want you to do better than they did and not realizing that you're going to make decisions, maybe worse than they made. So I think sometimes they try to live vicariously through like I told you don't do that and want you to listen when. Sometimes you have to
3: find out um, for yourself. Wow. I think that's well said. Hey, yeah. can you do me a favor? Can you talk to me about, you went to prison and came back, but, and then also you decided to just uh, be around the crowd that you were around. Talk to me about the comfort level in that and the brotherhood and that and. And how that makes you feel from a sense of knowing you got somebody that's got your back or knowing that uh, despite people may say, oh, you're not wearing a suit, or, you're not wearing this, that, and the other, you know, you can always go to these group of guys because you got their back and they got your back. Can you expand on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, m- more so it was um, it was kind of different for, for, uh, for me joining the game. Like I said, I was 13, 14, then we started – being, when we were first initiating, we were the only five gang members on, you know, on around this area. And now it's five, 600. So when we started, it was more so, it was a neighborhood thing. It was like, you know, that's what we, we, we were, we were a neighborhood gang. That's actually what we are called. We're a neighborhood gang, but we, we went to school together. So we played basketball together. We split double cheeseburgers together. We gave each other $2 to get in a skating rink and we paid each other cell phone bills. We spent the night slipping to bed four deep, five deep. We split one drink, helped each other. You know, we been to each other funerals, been to each other, you know, grandma's funerals, been to Christian's. We've been to, it's the same thing as a, as a fraternity or a sorority or a biker club or, a, or a Christian choir. It's the, it's the same thing, but I think uh, I think people just it's just so much so much bad stigma behind it that um, people can't really see why it was initially started or what it's even about.
3: Hmm. Interesting. Do, Can do you? you see what... Oh, go ahead, Doctor Leslie.
2: Do you actually see the bad stigma behind it, or do you see more positive with it? Or both.
1: Um, I, I could see both because, I mean, just like always and anything is going to be a, a role factor, of you know. And then it's not like. Everybody know each other either, so mm-hmm. we don't all know each other. So but I could say, like, you know, for the guys that I hang with, like that I came up with, like everyone's. On, on, on something positive, but, I mean, you do have guys that's 15, 16, 19 that, uh, that are on a whole nother path, you know, but it's not even like I'm, I'm dealing with those guys or I'm active, like, going to meet, I don't go to meetings or anything, like, it's not that serious to me at this point, I'm 30 years old, and so I don't, like, hang with gang members every day or go to meetings or any any of that crazy stuff, but,
0: uh, it is. It is
1: half and half, though. It is backstage, man. man well,
3: but when they ask you to represent, you represent.
1: Um, they they can't really ask me to do that. At the, they can't, you know. I'm kind of a different guy. They can't really okay. tell me to do anything. That's what made me a man at the beginning. Like, cause I never, I didn't join the game because other people were in the game. We started a game. And it just blew just because. So, so, so my stigma, I mean, it's just kind of different for me. So, people like can't, I don't know, people really can't tell me what to do if they wanted to. Not that I would listen anyway, but no one never ever told me like do this to them or go and do this. I would, that was never, uh, never the truth. And then I don't know what people, how people feel about gang. You know, some people have different, Perspective of gang life and how it's run and stuff, but it's really, it could be like that, but I never experienced, I never experienced that side of, of having to do stuff because someone told me
3: Do you have kids? Yes. Okay. Do you have a son? I have a daughter. Okay. So, with, with respect to your daughter, if you had a son, what would you recommend to him about? joining a gang, would you, and let me ask you a different question, would you, if you had to do it over again, would you take the same path? Uh, uh, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't know, just because I haven't, I don't know, because it was always different for me, like I wasn't, I like we were a neighborhood gang, so more so than banging, the like repping the gang, we repped our neighborhood just like saying, hey, I'm from the east side or hey, I'm from the west side or hey, I'm from the south side. So it wasn't, I don't know, it hasn't really like brought me as much maybe turmoil as people would think. It, it, as much turmoil as people would think. I, I mean, I got a lot of as crazy as it may seem, a lot of good memories like of a lot of, oh, I, a lot of fun, totally, a lot of love.
3: I, I totally get it. Trust me. I totally yeah, get it. a lot
1: of fun, a lot of love. I mean, a lot of, you know, just camaraderie. And then I didn't have brothers. So, so these guys that, you know, people see as gang members or, like, these were the guys that I – like, and then I would call these guys before I call maybe someone in my family that borrowed money that's – so it's kind of like a brotherhood more so than a gang is crazy to it sound.
3: Doesn't sound crazy at all. I totally understand. So with respect to your daughter or your potential son, would you would you recommend that life for them? Or would you encourage them to go a different way?
1: No. Um of, of course I would encourage them to go a different way, but then I think that I became a product of my environment as well. So, I feel like if I could have, I mean, I seen what I seen and I chose, I picked what I thought was cool and I did it. So, I feel like if I could have grew up in maybe Buckhead or something and been around equestrians and doctors and lawyers and businessmen and instead of wanting to be a gang member or a drug dealer or hang with these guys, I could have been like, hey, I want to I want to be equestrian. I want to do this. So I think I um be, being a product of the environment is a real thing, and I think I just became a, a product of the environment.
3: And you mentioned earlier—that's it's that's an interesting, interesting answer. And so you mentioned earlier that your mom or your had you involved in different things. Do you feel you were busy enough, or you just got bored and decided to disengage from that at some age, or kind of walk us through that as far as? Yeah, the, thing, the things you were involved with as a youth, as you matriculated into a young man.
1: So I went to 15 schools, elementary, middle and high. That's so a lot. I never stayed. That's a lot. Right. So I never stayed in a neighborhood like a year. So I never was able to grow up and, you know, have friends in the neighborhood or be like, you know, I'm going over to this person's house, I'm going to spend the night there. I never really like been to a sleepover, you know, never really experienced that side of childhood. And, and, and that may have been, been took over by me playing baseball or, or running track or playing football or going to after school. I never like caught a school bus home after school. I never caught a school bus to school I went to after school program, after school, my mom would come get me, we will go to track practice, after track practice, i go to baseball practice, get home at 10 o'clock, take a bed, wake up at 7, do it all over again, go to school, go to after school, go to baseball, go to track practice. So, so my, my life was a, a, was a little different, you know, my life was a little different. So, in comparison to someone who grows up in the neighborhood and has friends in the neighborhood and gets to do those type of things.
2: So, okay. Eric, does, can you describe uh, your relationship with your mom growing up and your relationship now with uh, her as an adult?
1: Well, yeah, my, uh, my mom, my sweetheart still is, but uh, growing up, I would like I said, my dad wasn't around, but I think it it really, it caused me, not even that, that caused me to act out because I don't know if that's specifically what it was. But uh, I did a lot of stuff and she had to discipline me. So maybe if I had a father there and she didn't have to discipline me as much, um, maybe things could have been different, you know, but I think when... you feel when like I you see, were able to manipulate like
2: you were able to manipulate her while you were growing up
1: no not really no not really (laughs) my mom was no nonsense (laughs) she was no nonsense so she was like uh she was she was hard nosed. so so if she
2: was so uh no nonsense how were you able to do all of this
1: Um, you got to think after you turned 10 years old, I was bigger than my mom, so a belt really couldn't help. I mean, couldn't really hurt me. And I just think, I think, um, just growing, I realized she really couldn't do anything to me. Mm. She really couldn't, she really couldn't do anything to me.
3: We, we should, we should pause. No point. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I got a delay. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah. And it just got to a point where I realized that uh, she couldn't couldn't do nothing to me. And I just I made my own decisions. I don't know. I just did what I felt like I wanted to do at the time. Uh, And then I snuck and did a lot of stuff, too. My mom worked a lot. So, you know, once I got, like, to, like, the eighth grade and stuff, I just, I did what I wanted to. My mom worked a lot, and I just got around. I don't you know.
2: So that yeah, wasn't was just- really manipulation. It was just you had the time to do it. So then going back into you being in these different places at different time. I mean, having to, you were real busy. I'm trying to hear the gaps that may have given you the room or the opportunity or even the thought process to start to become this person that you did.
3: Well, let, let me jump in for a minute. So, this is a, this is an age where, and this is a phenomenal topic, right? This is an age where, this is textbook, where he's matriculating into a young man. He's 13, he said 10, 10, 11, 12. He's of size. And he's had an epiphany. And his epiphany is, these butt women don't hurt anymore. You know what I mean? So now, remember, as men and even as young men, we look to conquer, especially young men. I remember the day when my mother spanked me and it didn't hurt anymore. I just gave her that look, right? I'm not going to put my hands on them like that. I love her. She's my heart. But don't hurt anymore. You know what I mean? So it's a whole different ball game. Now, and as I continue to try to conquer, remember the analogy I gave about the shoes I want and the clothes and stuff I wear. It's not necessarily manipulation as it is. He is and we are continuing to find our way. And as we're matriculating, it's just another step on the whole um, it's like Lion King, you know what I mean? It's it's like the the pecking order of the jungle, right? So as a young man it's not like i'm going to disrespect my mom but at the same time i'm still trying to find my way as a man and in this world right so something happened when that occurred when that day occurred uh, i mean just something just shifts there's a shift there's a transition and that's when some mothers get you sometimes when they say oh, i'll go live with your dad i can't handle you or go go to such and such your uncle because yeah because there two things happen either the young man is gonna continue to respect his mom, but he's still dealing with that as a young man transitioning to manhood or he's gonna disrespect his mom and then you have a heavy dose of manipulation there, right
0: mm-hmm.
3: but uh, but eric i would I would ask you this, as you continue to get older after that, did you continue to seek out who that male person is in your life or, you mentioned earlier about taking a little bit from each individual and crafting the kind of man you wanted to be. Did you ever get to the point where you said, this is the man I want to be? Um, or are you kind of still there?
1: Yeah, I'm still there. I kind of, I'm forever changing. Like I, I'm forever changing. So I'm one of those guys, like I really want to change the world and by whatever way I, I can change the world. And so, I don't know. I'm always stretching the boundaries. Like, I'm always stretching the boundaries on uh, what I want to do. I wake up and want to oh, – an event at High Museum of Art and wake up and want to get $5 million from Tony Hawk for this grant. So – There you it go. Just depends on how my brain works. I just – I don't know. I might want to go to space next year.
3: Young people think different, y'all. They don't – they're not signing up for the whole – get on, find a job, work there 20, 30 years and retire. I don't think like that. I mentor a young man right now, a couple of them. They've never filed a tax return and they've got money in the bank. I'm talking about thousands. I'm not talking about a couple hundred dollars. And they've asked me to help them develop businesses and LLCs so that they can get it legitimately because you have major corporations, I won't say names, that are paying them and they're having them pay them through Cash App because they want to stay off the radar. And you, you can relate to that i'm sure eric so they don't want the nine to five they want to keep their grind on and their hustle on and keep doing their thing and so it's a it's an, it's an interesting generation out here now but there's a lot of positive things going on as well so eric i would say as you continue to look towards what you want to do go after it and as i tell my nephew all the time the same mentality you have in the street to succeed you can take those same transferable principles and skills and apply them to a legitimate business and succeed. You do not have to break the
1: law. Yep, not have to break the law. And, that, and that's kind of where I am now. I always tell, because um, I got like, I got five friends. One of my friends, he's a pastor. He got his own church. And he's 29. I got a friend and that got a, a million dollar studio. He's 29. I got another friend that has a another store and these all are young guys like i know owners of stores in vegas and houston and new york and they're all young guys but i tell them every time i get a chance i tell them that we're giving the kids hope we showing them that it's a way we we showing them that they you don't have to be in the streets or you don't have to you don't even have to wear a suit if you don't want to you can walk around with your hair looking crazy like mine if you want to and and still be positive and still, uh, do something good, so I always like tell that younger generation that.
2: Yeah, Eric, your mom was telling me that you threw a fashion show and that you throw fashion shows and she sent me a snippet. She said, you wouldn't believe, girl, people thought my son, they were treating him like he was some movie star. As he walked down that aisle, I couldn't believe it. You know, so in many ways, she's proud of you. What would you say are some of the proudest, what, what would you say makes your mother proud? Um, and, what, and how, in what ways do you want to make her proud?
1: Well, I think she was, uh, I think when she seen my store for the first time, because it always been, uh, I mean, when I came home from prison, I knew I wanted to do something. So I was like trying to open a restaurant for years and that eventually fell through and then this happened. But I think for her to finally see this, um, that made her proud. And then I want to graduate college. And I think she'll be proud, like real proud once I graduate college. Cause I didn't graduate high school. I got my GED in prison and she came to my graduation and act happy. But I know she really wasn't <laughs> elated like that. But uh, but she says she just happy from seeing me, you know, do something positive with my... Um, well, my family, and then even like the store that I own, like when I, I was the youngest person in the United States to own, open a store like this, um, so it was like it was it was historic just because black people don't own these type of stores that I that I own. Like it's usually Chinese people, Asians, or Indians that sell this type of stuff. So I think what kind of store is it? it? Um, so I have a streetwear boutique. We sell um like designer and premium vintage items like. Gucci, Balenciaga, Louis Vuitton, Dior, Nike, Yeezys, like and like the two thousand dollar Nikes, the five hundred dollar tennis shoes. So, and these stores are—I mean, it's a—it's a um Asian-dominated business, even though the black people are the ones spending the money on it. Mm-hmm. So, just to um break break that barrier at twenty nine, you know. It was,
2: I think I think that was something major, too, and she realized. Amen. Um, Mr. Cardo, I see you there. I know you were uh, invited by your mom, Ms. Delrose. Would you like to add anything to the conversation
6: or any questions for our guests? Well, I'm actually enjoying the conversation, and thank you for having me. And, of course, I see my mom on the screen. Hi, Mom. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful conversation, a rich conversation. I'm just glad to be a part of it
2: okay amen thanks for coming okay are there any other uh any other questions comments concerns
3: i've got a comment that i'd like to share um i just want to say that one i want to thank eric for his transparency and what he shared with us today i want to encourage everybody to open up their minds and and think about what this young man has gone through and also some of the principles we talked about in the past few days on the matriculation of a young man and what they go through. And I also want us to encourage each of us as we open our minds to understand that this is a very intelligent young man. He is not a dummy by any means. Don't be fooled. He's very, very smart. He's one of the few people that has, has good sense in the head and good street knowledge. And that's, that's a good package, right? And I, I really applaud him for just not being incarcerated now, doing positive things with your life. I understand what you talked about as far as the gangs and things like that. We're not going to arm wrestle you and try to force you to make different decisions because we just feel like those decisions are going to come in time as you continue to grow into your manhood as a whole. But I just want to encourage you, Eric. I think you're a very, I think you got a lot on the ball, man. I really do. And I think that, uh, I just want to ask that you make good decisions as you move forward because people are watching you all the time, especially your daughter. She's watching you very, very carefully um, and your mother's watching as well. So thank you again, Eric. I really appreciate your time and uh, be safe out there. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank
2: you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Also, Eric, um, before we close, what would you say to mothers? uh perhaps like your mother or other mothers who may have sons like you or just mothers with sons overall what would you say to encourage them about their son to help them to make better uh, decisions as it relates to their son what I mean like what would you just want to say ladies listen
1: yeah yeah ladies you know because every situation is going to be different uh, Cause I mean, some dudes do, do stuff, and then you know, they have respect, you know, for their parents. But then sometimes it's total disrespect. So, but I mean, I would just tell people to just, um, just keep, just keep saying good morning. I mean, it, it's not gonna last forever. Nothing that you know, people uh, that we all that we go through, it don't last forever. Especially, uh, you know, people go through phases. I know I went through phases, so I think other men know, go through phases as well, and it's it's always a um, it's always a battle. But uh, are gonna be okay. He was gonna be okay regardless. They're gonna be okay regardless, even if I don't know. It's gonna be okay. It always always be okay.
2: Amen. Miss Rivers, how are you? You've been quiet. I'm trying to unmute her. Ms. Rivers? Danita? I'm sorry, I'm trying to unmute them. Yes, sir. Okay, did you wanna add anything to the conversation before we close?
5: Um, No, I don't. I don't think so. But thank you for giving me the chance to do that.
2: Okay. Miss uh,
5: Oliver.
2: Miss Oliver, how about you?
1: Just uh, for the young fella,
7: just keep making uh, good and wise choices.
2: You know, as you uh, continue to move along in life, like Mr. Wayne said, for uh, people that are watching you, especially for your daughter. You know, and bless you. Thank, you. thank you so much. And and thanks for you know speaking speaking your truth,
5: speaking your mind. You know.
1: Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
5: Okay. Leslie, there is Dr. Leslie. I'm sorry. There is um, there is one thing I would like to to ask Eric, if I may. Uh huh. Eric, I have a 22 year old son, and he's um, definitely a different thinker than I am. And he's like um, he doesn't he doesn't feel like our society is for him. So for for example, he doesn't he doesn't get into the whole money thing. Like he thinks that money is unnecessary. You know, that, that you can, he would, he would fit perfectly in a society where you could barter and trade things. And so it's difficult. It's been difficult for me to even motivate him to do some things. Like I, I know you all don't ascribe to the same type of like, you get married, you get a job, you have kids, you know, you, 30 years and retired from somewhere and so um he definitely is not thinking along those lines but i i can't i have never been able to find my mo- anything that motivates him so you can't i mean, the only thing that he ever says that he wants is a tesla but he also says that um when he leaves my house that he may go and live in the woods and just like live off the land. So I don't, I don't know how to reach him. And so I was just wondering if there's anything that you can, any guidance that you could give me to try to help him or any guidance you could give me to help settle me, you know, while I'm watching this young man and hoping that he's going to start making some better decisions. But I haven't seen that. You say
1: he's 22, right? Yes,
5: it'll be 23 in a few
1: days. Yeah, so, I mean, I was in prison when I was 22, so it's kind of different. But I would say, I mean, at 22, he's still young. We all still young. At 22, you weren't making. And, and be be, be kind of light on him. Be light on him just because at 22, I mean, you weren't thinking. I don't know, just me. I'm going to say the average person that I would think wasn't thinking about, you know, getting married or don't feel like it's so bad right now. Cause it's not, he's going to be 30 years old with a job paying $150,000 a year. And it's all going to be history. You ain't even going to remember that we had this conversation. So keep doing what you are doing. And I think um, with this generation, with living on the land and not really uh, respecting the aspect of money, I think that's something that I hear a lot of young, young people say, but I, so I don't know. I mean, I always liked it. Money and nice things, but maybe that Tesla or him actually knowing that he could get a Tesla could be motivation for him. Cause it is possible. It is possible, but it's not, don't feel like it's so bad. He's 22. He's still young. He gonna, y'all. He gonna He, he gotta be, he gotta live to be 90, a hundred years old. So he got 80 more years. To get it right, <laughs> it's not the end of Okay.
2: Yeah, but in the meantime, he's with her. And she's she's the one who's making sure all of those needs are met at this point. Because he's not motivated enough to go out and do certain things himself.
5: And okay. I'm
1: frustrated in another way with it. That I wasn't looking at it.
5: And I'm frustrated because of that. Yeah. So, oh,
1: I don't know. I had a, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like, I had a job when I was 16. So, I like, I wanted Jordans and 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 stuff like that. But since you say you don't even like that, I, I don't know. And he has a job. He does, he does have a job. He's doing good. He, he does. A job, he, he,
5: yeah, he does have a job. Um, yeah. but he, like, he chooses, he smokes he smokes marijuana and, you know, it's, 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 off. it's like, I, I now want to, I, I have asked him to leave my home before and he had to leave because of some decisions that he had made, but, um, just really quickly, he, he made a decision trying to help someone. And then when when it all when it became, when it came to light, he took the heat for it, even though he wasn't the major player in it. It wasn't he didn't go to jail. Yeah. It wasn't breaking the law or anything. It was breaking rules in our house. And so he had yeah. so he was asked to leave. And and while he was away from our home, he never once like it took almost a year for him to tell me what actually happened. And at that point, um, my husband said that he could come back to the house because, you know, he felt bad that we had asked him to leave. And, you know, he wasn't really the one who had orchestrated this rule breaking. And so, um, so he is back at the house and my, my husband wants me to be, he, when he first came back, you know, he wanted me to be, um, patient. You know, it's like be patient with him. He'll get it together. You know, he's still young. Blah blah blah. But I think now, like I'm, I'm ready for him to get out. I need for him to go. And I and I see a little bit in um, my husband is his stepfather, and I see I see some interaction sometimes that that is letting me know that he's getting a little impatient too with some of the decisions that that are, that my son is making. Um, but I'm, you know, I don't I don't think that he would get to the point where he would tell him to
1: get out. But I want him out. Yeah. Um. At 22, like I said, I was in prison at 22, so I don't know if I would have been living with my mom. Most Probably would have, but that's. I mean, most kids do still live with their mom at 22. So, um, I don't know, maybe a, a girl. I know I got, um like my brother, he kind of, I think a girlfriend would help some guys, you know, and then more so than they notice, it kind of even people out, kind of even people out to be able to have to uh, to do something. I don't know, maybe a girlfriend would help, but I don't, I don't know. I just always think it's not. I'm always on the key side, so I don't yeah. think it's. Yeah. I think it's gonna, it's gonna like get. I think what whatever it is, like it's not because I mean, I talk to people and they like, you know my son broke in my house or my son stole my car and I feel and not to not to uh minimize the problem but just just for you to say just for you to see like it's gonna be okay like it just it's just heavy on you right now it's just heavy on you right now but in five years he's gonna have a job paying two hundred thousand dollars So just keep waking up, keep saying good morning and take it day by day. Take it day by day. I don't know. Take it day by day, I would say.
5: Okay. and I and I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that, you know, just um, reiterating what my what what my husband is saying in the being patient part of it. Um, And my son also feels that if he had a girlfriend, that that would give him something like someone he could be accountable to. Or, you know, so he's, yeah. he's wanting a relationship, but when, but it, from my standpoint, if I were a young woman and, you know, approaching this, this young guy who's talking all this, what I call crazy stuff, you know, <laughs> like what I'm like, if I'm his girlfriend, I'm going to live in the woods. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's but
1: it's girls that will, it's girls that, that, that would uh live in the woods with him believe it or not so i think it's always like a it's always like a generational break being able to you see him as your son but it's it's a little young lady out there that thinks you cute better stay in the hammock with him it's always <laughs> somebody for somebody so that may that may be what he need and i mean for him being accountable accountable for someone that may be what he needs to um, even them out. At least he know he know what he need. He know what he need in his mind. He think that'll help him, and I think that'll help him
5: too. Amen. All right,
2: well, thank you, thank you thank for that you. question, and thank you for the response, Eric. And then we have one more, Miss Rivers, before we close.
7: Hello, everyone. Uh, i had- I was distracted for just a moment a little bit earlier, but first I wanted to thank you again, Dr. Leslie, for bringing us together as a community of moms who realize we're not in this alone. Um, Thank you, uh, Mr. Pledger for your, your wisdom from having been in the trenches and done this. And of course, to all the moms who have joined the bridge and I cannot I would be remiss if I did not thank Mr. Eric Thomas. My son's name is Eric, so when I saw Eric, I was like, wait a minute, is that one mine? <laughs> but I want to say, my son's 28, so uh, I can definitely relate to your story. And I appreciate your candidness with telling us, you know, the truth of where you've been and what you've done. and. And the sympathy, almost empathy that you had for the moms when you were explaining some of the things that these sons take us through. But I also wanted to add that we as mothers have got to realize that generational differences are playing a role in addition to gender differences. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're combating a lot of stuff, not just that it's male, female, But we're also looking at gender differences. I was doing some coursework in my first master's degree, and one of the courses was in reference to managing different um, generations and what was important to them. Generation, you know, the um, baby boomers were hard workers. They wanted to achieve. They wanted to make money. They wanted all of the trappings of success, and they wanted to be able to show all of those things. Well, these generation, this generation, I would think most of these kids are considered millennials or maybe Gen Zers, I think. I can't remember the order now. But these new kids, they, don't, they might like all of that stuff, but not enough to be motivated to go get it. They are motivated by other things. And for us, we say, I can't find anything to motivate them. And typically it's because we're trying to motivate them with the things that motivated us. And it's gonna require us thinking outside of the box and and doing those things that are unorthodox, whatever they might be. And joining this type of conversation may be a spark that does that to, to give you some insight on which direction to go but it's gonna they're mo- they are motivated the question is by what and the difficulty is trying to figure that out without um pushing your ideals of motivation on them and i think that's what we've got to do we've got to release those things that we think should be motivating to them and try to figure out what is motivating them from their core and part of that is because we don't live in a society that encourages us to figure out why you're here. You know, what is your purpose? Everyone's here for a reason. These kids who are giving us grief and giving us the blues and we're thinking, are you kidding me again? They came for a reason and they're here to serve a purpose. And the goal is to try to figure out the purpose. Now, of course, that is their responsibility. To figure it out, but I think as mothers and guides and women of faith, we have to be praying for laborers to cross their path, for them to bump into someone who may spark a, a scripture. That often comes to mind is uh, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. So mm-hmm. we don't know who's going to cross the path of our kids. That might plant a seed and then someone else will come along and water that seed. In the whole time God is all things working together for the good. And that's what's happening. But it's still our prayers that that we are, you know, barraging heaven saying, can you send somebody that they yes. can relate to, that they can talk to, you know, as opposed to just the prayer of can he get a job and get out? That's a good prayer. I'm not against that prayer. <laughs> but maybe we want to send a laborer or someone across their path. And, and then we've just got to be realistic. I'm, I'm a 33-year employee in corporate America. And what I don't want is for my son to be a 33-year employee in corporate America. I want him to do something different. I wanted him to be an entrepreneur. I wanted him to forge his own path with good decisions. And they all have not been, but that's part of the walk. That's part of the struggle. And, you know, and I cringe, but I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I said, I'm reluctant sometimes to say, to tell him that I'm proud of some of the things that he's done because I don't want him to think that some of the things that he did, were good, but it was the, the the Moxie, the decision to do something different, to, to be different, to not fall in line with get a job and work 30 years. You know, it takes some outside of the box thinking. And I'm proud that he is a thinker like that. But I just gotta, you know, kind of try to put a bug in his ear as much as I can to, you know, stay on the straight and narrow, because, you know, the younger kids, they don't mind skirting that line of legality, whereas some of us, we couldn't give it a thought. I'm not, I'm not even going to get close to the line of illegal. They're going to walk right up on that line and step over it to see what's going to happen and then keep going, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. that's part of the walk. And, you know, we got to realize that, you know, there's a lesson in all things.
2: Thank you, Ms. Rivers. And Ms. Rivers, she will be speaking on tomorrow at six. So definitely you all come back. Uh, Mr. Cardo, I saw that you had, uh, if you can unmute, you said you think you disagree.
6: Uh, and, and I'm so sorry, but I, um, I find it interesting that even in this, this community, Um, uh, mothers will consistently um, give their boys, their kids a pass. And for someone to suggest that, you know, it's a different generation would suggest that parenting has changed over the generations. And that's the part I disagree with. I think parenting is still parenting. I think one of the problems today is that um, uh, if we're going to speak about mothers, I think um, well, let me just backtrack a little bit and just say this. I remember having a conversation with my attorney trying to figure out um, if I could get custody for my daughter. And what he said to me was, unfortunately, Mr. Grant, the system does not recognize you as a suitable parent. Not because I've been incarcerated, I'm not making money, or whatever it is, but we're culturally conditioned to believe that a child needs to be nurtured. The problem is that when does nurturing start, when does it end? And my argument to my attorney was that I felt like um, my daughter doesn't need to be nurtured. She needs to be parent. She needs to be um, in my control uh, because I felt more suitable uh, to parent my daughter, primarily because I think, uh, uh, I don't want to say I have the tools to do it, but... I think men do a very good job parenting because men in a community like this would un- be unlikely to give a pass to their kids. We are more, we are, we are more um, objective. I think we uh, have the ability to distance ourselves from the emotions. Um, women unfortunately live in a, if I could use this analogy I've heard in the past, they live in a closet. Men we live in drawers, so we separate our lives and how we do things. Mothers tend to, all their emotions transfer from work, home, play, and guys, we just don't do that. I think that's one of the skills that God has given us to be excellent parents. Unfortunately, society doesn't recognize that we are good parents because, again, we live in a society that believes that a child needs to be nurtured more than a child needs to be parent. So again, my disagreement was that You know, it's not about generational changes, like to suggest that we live in a new day and time, so parenting has changed. I don't think parenting has changed.
7: I agree that parenting as a whole has not changed, but we've got to be able to come to some measure of agreement that society has changed. We can't, even from the perspective of educating our children, We can't continue to educate our kids like we did 100 years ago and expect them to survive and thrive in society today. We sat kids in a classroom. We put a teacher in front. We gave them some information. They received the information. They went out into the world and did with it what they could. These kids today, with all of technology that has been placed in front of them, are bored out of their minds with that same methodology, and if that has to change so does our approach to everything that we do we can't stay complacent we do have to be parents and there are some basics that are foundational but you can't stand over a kid who is not motivated if if you've got a kid who isn't motivated to make A's and B's because they're a creative kids you can beat them till the cows come home and you may be able to uh, get some A's and B's, but what have you created down the road? And how many kids have been damaged by that? I think there are some uh, truths in the statement that you made. There's obviously a distinct difference between mothers and fathers and the nurturing and the emotions definitely play a role in that. But I also think that we've got to consider that things change and our ways of doing things and seeing things, they have to change. I don't have to work in the garden. I don't have to till my land. I don't have to pick cotton. My mom remembered a time when she picked cotton. I don't have to. I'm different. So it's going to, and today is different. I work in IT. She would never be able to understand that. And because my role in the world has changed, even as a woman, surely we've got to consider that we're going to have to do something different, especially when we have so many kids that are getting lost in this system, and we're continuing to do the same thing.
3: Yeah, I would it's like that.
7: Go ahead, Douglas. I
2: was going to say, Miss um, Rivers speaks tomorrow. So we're going to have to continue the conversation tomorrow, but I did see Eric's hand up and he is our guest. So we're going to have to let him uh, lead us on out. So what were you going to say, Eric? Um,
1: I was going to just basically uh, reply back to what Mr. Cardo said about (coughs) things not changing or, I mean, for me, I feel like, You know, and I could be wrong. I feel like it was a generation like we come from. I was born in like the 90s, so I was raised in the early 2000s, but even my parents generation, that group of parents before me. I feel like it was a lot of hurt that they got uh, passed down from that generation that was two generations away from slavery. So I think, uh, uh, like, with the age the age difference in older people and the younger people, it, it most definitely has changed. When in the 90s we played football and we ran up and down the field and we would go home and be sleepy, but now these kids got iPads and they can learn 10 different languages at one time. So more so than people, more than people know, it's subconsciously training the youth brain and it's like backed up by science and stuff like it's showing the youth at a younger generation and there yeah, a lot of older people don't know this but it's showing like the youth at a younger generation like if you press this button it's something else if you do this it's always something to keep going you can you could you could go down here 10,000 times and something different will happen every time so i think it's a it's a gap in the generations it's a gap in you know, the knowledge, especially for the older generation, just because people would have been told for years stuff and facts and facts that they thought were facts that probably weren't even true, but now with this younger generation we could fact check stuff like this. So our brains are just different when it comes to retaining information and listening to what, I mean, parents would have to say. So to get, to get with this youth, y'all, we got to understand that it is a it is a gap like parenting, it has changed, it, it's gotta change. Cause I mean it's it's different. You're not raising a kid from the eighties and you're not raising a daughter in the 60s. You will probably raise your daughter to get married at 17 and be out your house by 18. But now, you know, in 2021, you're not raising your kids to be married at 16 and be out the house before 18. So it has changed and for us to stand in contact as a whole and as a as a um as a culture we got to realize that and be able to uh to 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 build those barriers and and, and shorten them up but i think it has changed and that's all i want to say
2: okay i i know that um there are some other responses to everything that was said but we can definitely finish the conversation off on tomorrow thank everyone for coming on tonight please join us on tomorrow Where we will hear from Miss Rivers as we can hear she's got some things to say and Mr. Uh, Cardo come back and that way you can finish that conversation with her (laughs) because the rest of us we can all learn from one another okay Mr. Wayne you want to go ahead and pray us out
3: sure let's bow our heads everybody father in heaven we come before you thanking you once again for the great great uh, session that we had tonight. Brother Eric did a phenomenal job just being transparent in this safe environment to learn, to grow, to communicate, and to respect everyone's views. So we thank you for the the information that he shared. We thank you for all the views that have been shared by us, men and women as a village. Uh, We love to continue to learn and grow. We pray that you will, again, just help us to be sensitive to one another, take these principles and apply them in our day-to-day lives, because Each of us has a customized set of wisdom and skills and things that we were brought up with as we matriculated and were raised in our parenting. And and what we're doing is just combining combining notes so that we can come up with a good plan as we move forward. So we thank you. We thank you for Dr. Leslie and the platform that she's provided for us to talk. We look forward to continuing sessions. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.
2: Amen. Amen. See you all tomorrow. And you can look at the replay of the video, anything that you missed, wherever you registered, use that username and password and go in the portal and you can look at the entire video and all of the videos from the rest of the week. Have a good day. A Take
3: care, good everybody.
0: Evening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drleslieinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.